Hey, thanks for joining us for another message from the City Church. We're a local church in Mississauga, Ontario, gathering in community as we move closer to Jesus. We hope this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter, encourages you wherever you're joining us from today. Good morning, City Church family. Thank you for joining us. Or maybe you're not watching this in the morning. Maybe you're watching this sometime during the week. Thank you for hanging out with us for part two of our series that we have called Saved. Now, before we jump into the message this morning, I just want to remind you um, so an event that we have coming up on Sunday, February 21st at 4 p.m. It's for married and engaged couples. It's called Real Love. And we have John and Helen Burns with us who are just going to be investing into the marriages in our church. So you don't want to miss that event. Um, all of the married couples, please sign up for that next Sunday. It's going to be a great couple hours to invest into your marriage. It's only $20. Uh, so I encourage you to do that. Also, if you hang around to the end of the pre-show, or not the pre-show, is after the post-show, um, uh, after this message, you'll have a chance to win a free free registration for that event. So hang around after the message today for that opportunity. All right, let's pray before we jump into the message today. Father God, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you, Lord, for the principles in your scripture of freedom. And God, we just lean into you today for all that you would want to speak to our hearts. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So go ahead and grab your Bibles this morning. We're going to turn to a bunch of scriptures today and look um, some great verses about the idea of salvation. Now, one of the great things about salvation that we would see in the scripture is that we should actually have joy from our salvation. It's a good reminder for us as believers in Jesus that it should be our disposition as we look at salvation, as we look at all that God has provided for us, it actually should ensue in joy in our lives. And that's a big part of the series that we're preaching right now. Now, when we look and think about the idea of saved, the pictures in the Old Testament uh, we see of physical deliverers, obviously somebody like Moses or the judges um, or the kings, that they would do all of these physical things for Israel, that they would take them from one bad place representing sin to a place of salvation or to a place that's flowing with milk and honey. So all of these physical things that happened in the Old Testament are to teach us a spiritual truth about Jesus in the new covenant, that our salvation in the new covenant is through Christ. It is a spiritual salvation that shows up in our lives. So we don't have to leave the city that we are in like they did in the Old Testament to experience salvation right now in our hearts, in our lives, we can experience the salvation that God has for us. Now, the word saved in the Greek is just the word sozo. And it's a verb, and it means this, to be made whole. And it's a spiritual or eternal salvation. And it is granted by God. It means to make well, to be restored, rescued, delivered. It means safety. And in the context of a bunch of verses that we see in the New Testament, we see the idea, save from sickness and disease. Now, we talked about healing last week in part one of this message. So if you missed that message, you can go to our website or our podcast and catch up with us. So sozo, as a verb, uh, the word save, and the word salvation is the noun, and, it, and it's, that's the word soteria. And soteriology is all about the doctrine of salvation. And when we think about salvation or being saved, 
what it means for us is that we would experience wholeness in our lives, not just know about wholeness or hear about things that Jesus did, that we can actually experience it for our lives. Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says this, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Psalm 37 verse 39 says, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 1 says this, working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable, favorable time, I have listened to you. And in the day of salvation, I, God says, have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So any day that we read this is the day where we can experience God's salvation. I love this. It's not just in the time past, even though God has accomplished something for us, for salvation by Jesus, we can actually experience it every day. We can experience the wholeness of God in our lives every day. Why? Because now is the day of salvation. So the title of the message today is this, Freedom in forgiveness. Now we have this principle, this big principle that we hear in all religious circles, specifically in Christian circles, this idea that sin separates. If we go back to the original story in the book of Genesis, that we see that man was separated from God because of their sin. Now we have all been guilty at some point in our lives of sin and doing something sinful that would separate us either relationally or from God. So we'll look at some more verses uh, about that in a minute. But I can remember in grade 10. Now, I'm going to tell a story right now. And if there's any students watching, this is one of those stories that your parents tell you, do as I say, not as I do. So the story I'm about to tell is not an example of good behavior. It is actually an example of sin. So I'm not encouraging this behavior. But in grade 10, uh, a bunch of my friends and I, we figured out a way to do spit wads really well in class without our teachers noticing. And the way we would do that is we would use a Bic pen, a simple Bic pen, and we would take out the ink part and we would chew off the top. And the great thing about the Bic pen outside, it had a, a big part at the top and then it had a narrow tip which helped you aim your spit ball very well. Now, basically, all that a spitball is is you bite off some paper and you chew it up in your mouth and you put it in the pen outside and you spit it. That's why it's called a spitball. And so we would do this in class, me and my friends, when the teacher had his back turned, we would like spit spitballs on the wall and then try to like create a target and shoot it and we would laugh and the teacher would turn around and see what the big deal was. And, you know, we thought we had done a great thing. So not behavior to emulate young people. Um, and then so in grade 10, I got a little bit bold at one point, and I actually spit a spit wad on my teacher's cheek. Not a good idea, not behavior to do. But in that moment, I realized this was not appropriate behavior. And this was actually sin taking place at the school, and my teacher was so angry. Now, before this moment, he actually liked me a little bit, 
but the spitwad incident happened and we were no longer friends. He kicked me out of class. And when we think about an issue like this, it's like, how do we <laughs> recompense for this sin? I apologize afterward, but our relationship was always not the same. You know, and something like this, you would hear a story like this, well, maybe, you know, somebody should get suspended or maybe you should experience detention. And really all of the laws in society are like this. We um, provide some sort of road to redemption for people in society based on the law that they have broken. So they've broken a specific law and then maybe we charge them a fine. And then maybe something a little bit more severe and then they're going to do some jail time. And then the ultimate severity of any law that somebody would break, you know, they're going to spend a great deal of time in prison. So there's some sort of road to redemption or there's some sort of way to pay back the brokenness of sin. And all lawyers literally owe their jobs to God because of all of these laws that we experience and talk about and discuss in society, these all come actually from the Old Testament. The discussion about, hey, here's the sin and then what's the appropriate punishment for the sin. Now we could look at all of these things and we know we're going to break laws sometimes at school and then we're going to break laws in society and have discussion about what the appropriate um, way to redeem ourselves from those sins. But what about a sin against the nature of God? How are we going to pay this back? And this is something that we see, once again, right from the beginning in the book of Genesis. Sin is actions which are taken by humans when they rebel against God. Now listen to this. To miss his purpose for your life. This is what sin is and to surrender to the power of evil rather than to God. When we rebel, and, and this is one of the central things that we see throughout the scripture, that humanity's estrangement from God, how did that happen? The estrangement has come from sin. That sin is the root cause of all the problems in humanity. That's the problem, sin. Why? Because sin separates Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from one another when we miss the mark, when we act outside of a certain prescribed behavior. And then we, we mess up and we make a mistake and then it causes separation. Now, lest you think that, you know, I told you my spitwad story and you might think, you know, I would never do that, Pastor Brent. That was ridiculous. You know, my sins are not as bad as your sins. If we look at the scripture, we see two different types of sin, a sin of commission, in other words, a sin that you do. And then there's this other thing called a sin of omission, which means you had an opportunity to do something good and you didn't do it. The scripture tells us in the book of James that that is also sin. So whether, whichever category you'd like, we are all guilty in either one of those categories. And so because that is true, we need a savior. This is the whole idea of saved. How do we get saved? How do we experience salvation? The first verses we read there, that it actually comes from God. God provides salvation for us. It's not something that we can pay back, like we could pay back our debt to society. A sin against God is not something that we can actually pay back in our own. The scripture talks about Jesus in the book of Matthew uh, talking about his coming and it says that he would save his people from their sins, that he would make us whole from the things that we have done that separate us 
from God. So the very first definition that we would see here for forgiveness is this. It just means pardon for an offense. It also just simply means to take away sin. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Two short verses, really big thoughts here from the scripture. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, we look at the people that have committed the worst sins maybe in society or the sins that we, are, we find the most egregious. And we say, well, man, those people are the real bad people in society. And I would never do those things. But the scripture is telling us all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of the standard of the holy God. And we fall short. We don't come up. But how, how are we going to be justified? How are we going to be made right with God? By his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, the Savior provides salvation for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 17 says this, For if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So talking about the trespass, the original sin through Adam and Eve, and then our own sin. We're all going to be walking in sin. Death is going to reign throughout humanity as we have watched throughout the history of mankind. So how are we going to be made right with God? Well, we're going to receive this gift, this gift that's going to overcome our sin. Verse 20, it says this, now the law came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Now, we know this is true in society. If we create more laws, sometimes we think if we create more laws, we're going to create a more orderly society. But the more laws we create, the more people break those laws. But here we're talking about the law of God. Verse 20, now the law of God came in to increase the trespass. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign or be in charge through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this idea that the forgiveness that God provides, provides for us eternal life in Jesus, that grace abounds over our sins, that grace reigns over our sins, that grace reigns over all of the ways that we come up short because we come up short in so many ways. See, what can happen to us, we could just beat ourselves over the head when we make a mistake, when we do something wrong. So many people, they run from God or they run from church or they run from their Christian friends because they know that they've messed up, that they've done things wrong. But see, the opposite should be true for us that God offers us grace that reigns over our sin, that is stronger than the power of our sins, and that is who we should run to when we mess up. We should run to him for forgiveness. We should run to him for, for the grace that we need. And man, that leads us to eternal life through Jesus Christ. 
But if we read those verses, we might think maybe the laws are the problem because the more laws, that means that the more sins they're going to be. So maybe we just need to remove all of the standards and then there would be no sins. If we just removed all of the laws, people wouldn't be breaking the laws and then we could just operate that way as a society. Maybe the laws are the problem. Here is what Romans chapter 7 tells us about that idea. What then shall we say that the law is sin? By no means. Yet yet if it had not been for the law, I would have not have known sin. For I would have not have known what what is to covet if the law said not to covet. But sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Sin is the problem, not the law. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. In other words, it's not happening. There's nothing going on if there's no law. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. What does that mean? Does that mean I ceased to exist? No, died in the scripture means separation. When you die, your spirit is separated from your body. When you die spiritually, you are separated from God. Verse 10, the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, again, the problem is sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. This is what all sin does. Separates us from God, separates us from how life should be lived. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteous and good. In other words, these are the ways that God has offered to us for life, abundant life. Verse 13, did that which is good bring then death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. Now we know it is impossible for humans to live up to the standard of a holy God. So what are we going to do? What is our hope? Our hope is in Christ. Matthew chapter 6 verse 28. For it is my blood, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And this is why we should always run to God when we sin, when we mess up, when we make a mistake, when we step outside of the ways of God, because Jesus has provided something for us because of his shed blood. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 19 says this, that God was reconciling the world, the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. This is the gospel that something has been provided for us sin that separates us from God moves us outside of the holy law of God because of Jesus God is not holding those things anymore and then we have this ministry of reconciliation the scripture tells us that we get to talk about the good news we get to talk about what God has provided for us that God's grace overcomes our sin Now, this doesn't mean that we continue in sin. This doesn't mean that, you know, from Sunday to Sunday, we're like, you know, I'll get forgiveness on Sunday and then I'll fill up my sin bucket during the week and then I'll come to church again or I'll watch church again and then, you know, we'll get forgiveness again. No, we're we're missing the point of the relationship. 
We, we don't keep on sinning. This is why the scripture says to repent. In other words, it means turn and go the other way. Turn and go towards the ways of God. God is gracious. God is merciful. God is forgiving. And see, because of all of these principles, God is showing us the way to live our lives. At the centerpiece of our relationship with God is this idea that God is a forgiving God. God is a God who pardons. God is a God who takes away our sin. So that should tell us and should compel us to live our lives as forgivers. The second point of this message today is let it go. The other side of the forgiveness coin, the one side is God offers us forgiveness. And then the other side of the coin is that God is wanting us to forgive the people that sin against us. Can you think right now, who are the people that have crossed you? Who are the people that have done you wrong? I'm sure that you have their names and you have a picture of their face in your mind. That not even so much God laws, God's laws, but your own personal laws. That people ought to do this. That people ought to treat you a certain way. And when they contravene those laws, they have crossed us. They have sinned against us. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have standards about how we should be treated because we should. But sin is at the root of all of the problems that humanity and we're going to face sometimes people who sin against us. God provides us forgiveness. The other side of the coin is that God is asking us to forgive. Why? Because what is the thing that ensues automatically? Somebody crosses you. Somebody betrays you. Somebody doesn't live up to one of the oughts that they ought to do this to treat me the best way possible. What would come up? Revenge. Let's just be honest. If you've ever played any sports, if somebody hits you, what do you want to do? You want to hit them back. This is the automatic way of the world. This is the automatic way of the sin in our flesh that we just want to get back. We want to hit back revenge. We know if we can look at history, revenge is not the way for humanity to be. Man, if we don't take revenge, what could happen to us? What could happen in that unforgiveness? It just can become bitterness. Something that we just hold on to. And in our mind, we see their face. And then we rehearse the thing that happened to us. We can just become more and more bitter, more and more angry. These things that we didn't choose, that are wrong, that happened to us, these things could just become weights that we carry around if we don't learn the other side of the coin. God forgives us. But then there's freedom in forgiveness in us learning to forgive when we're betrayed, when we're hurt, when we're damaged. Otherwise, we've got to carry those things around us. We've got to carry those things. And sometimes we do it imperceptibly. Sometimes we just do it. We don't even do it on purpose or we're not thinking about it. It just hurts so bad. We just don't know what to do with the pain. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says this. 
Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, how many know that's a really high standard? That we need to forgive the way God in Christ has forgiven us. All of the sin that has separated us from God, all of the ways that we have come up short, that all of us have sinned and come short of the, the glory of God. God has pardoned our sin so we can be with him for eternity. Be in relationship with him for eternity. Man, and this is a secret for any long-term friendship, marriage, you have to learn how to forgive because somebody is going to cross your odds. You shouldn't do that to me. And then they do it. What is the admonition from the scripture? Forgiving one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. Now must sounds a little bit like a, like a commandment. And why is God giving us this commandment that we must forgive? Because there's freedom and forgiveness. And God doesn't want us to live bound. God doesn't want us to live bound to the things that shouldn't have happened to us. God doesn't want for us to live attached to those ways where somebody has crossed my odds. In ways that they've hurt me and betrayed me, God wants us to live free, so he wants us to forgive. A couple stories from the life of Jesus that illustrate this so well. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? You know, this is a really good question. Because sometimes people do things over and over again, and we kind of like, you know what? You know, we, we might want to opt out of relationships, but then there's the pain that lingers even after we opt out of the relationships. How many times shall I forgive my brother and sister who sins against me? What is the thing that I need to do? I know that they might need to make some changes and we all need to make some changes. And that's what we, is the easiest thing to think about when somebody sins against us, we think they need to make some changes. But then the Lord says to us, Jesus entered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. This is a lot of times. In other words, too many times to count is the point of the story. It's like we hit the limit of forgiveness, but then the Lord's forgiveness is eternal and the Lord's grace reigns over all of our sins. See, and we want to opt out of this principle and then Jesus continues the story and he gives this illustration. And he said, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. And there's this guy who owes 10,000 bags of gold. And, you know, the master comes to him and says, Harry, this is the debt that you owe me. So in other words, an impossible to pay debt. 
and this person that owes the 10,000 bags of gold, he just begs for mercy. And in the story, it says that the master cancels his debt. And then the same person who gets the 10,000 bag of gold debt canceled goes out and he finds a friend who owes him 100 coins of silver. And he says, hey, you owe me these 100 coins of silver. And the guy says, I can't pay. And so the same guy that was forgiven the 10,000 bags of gold says to the guy who owes him 10, oh, sorry, 100 coins of silver, no, I can't forgive you. And the scripture says he grabs him and chokes him. In other words, the one that was forgiven of an unpayable debt now is not forgiving somebody else. And he says, you should have had mercy on them like I had mercy on you. See, God gives us mercy. But the way we count the debts against us versus how, uh, how much I owe or how bad my sin is, my sin's not so bad. Other people's sin is worse than my sin. And this is how we count sins. Everybody else's sins against me, that's 10,000 bags of gold. The things that I do, come on, hundred coins of silver. It's not that bad. But the point is of the story that we all owe 10,000 bags of gold to God that we couldn't pay back the unpayable debt. And what did the master do? He canceled the debt. So we shouldn't be going around choking people trying to demand something from them. Because here's the story, friends, about some of those things that have happened to you. They're not coming to apologize. They're not going to show up at your door and say, I'm sorry. I know that was a sin. I know that was wrong. They don't actually think sometimes it did anything wrong. And in a case like that, you're thinking, okay, but if they don't know that it's wrong, how could I possibly forgive them? But that's the point of the story. It is an offense. To pardon the offense is forgiveness. It is the other side of the coin that sets us free. That there is freedom in forgiveness. Eternally, we experience freedom from our sin because of the forgiveness God provides. And then here, temporarily, in our earthly home, we will experience freedom if we choose to forgive. See, the problem in the story is how he measured his own sin versus someone else's sin. Last story, we'll finish with this. Luke 7, verse 40. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. I love this personal interchange. Simon or Peter says, tell me, teacher. Now, before this, they were in a home of a woman who was a sinner and Jesus sat down there and she kissed his feet and, and the, the Pharisees were mad saying, you know, sh Jesus should know what type of woman this is. And she's explicitly in the scripture that she was a sinner. So they're mad at Jesus for not calling out this woman's sin. And then Jesus has this private conversation with Peter. I, I've got something to tell you. Verse 41, two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. 
In other words, 50 or 10 times as much. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. And Jesus said, you have judged correctly. Verse 44, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time, who is this woman, the sinner woman? From the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. But the other guests began to say among themselves, who is it then who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. This wholeness that she's experienced, what is it? It's forgiveness of sins. But then Jesus gives us this great illustration about this woman who realizes that her sin is great but that it ensues in love. It shows up as love on the other side. See, if we don't think that our sin is that big of a deal, it's gonna be really hard for us to forgive other people. If we're gonna say, I'm such a great person, I'm, I've barely come short of the glory of God. See, then we have the wrong attitude about our own sin, about our own coming up shortness. But if we realized how great the sacrifice God made by sending Jesus to the cross because of my sin, because of my debt that could not be paid, man, it'll help me to be a forgiving individual because there's freedom and forgiveness that I will experience from God. But there's freedom in the forgiveness that I give to others. Yeah, and they don't deserve it. But that's the point of the forgiveness. That's the point of the forgiveness we have received from God. We don't deserve it. It's grace. See, and if we live and if we operate like this, receiving the freedom from God that comes through forgiveness that we realize the sacrifice that was made, that we realize that we owed a debt that we could never pay back to God, it will cause us to love others more and to realize how much God loved me and how much love has been given to me. So what can I do with that love? Man, I I can forgive others. I'm not going to hold it. I'm not going to carry it. I'm not going to go forward with it. Because when I forgive, I experience freedom. And I remember the love that God has given me. Let's just pray today. God, we just thank you for your love today. We thank you, Lord, for your love that forgives us.
all of our sins. We thank you, Lord, that your grace reigns over our sins. And God, today we, we purpose to not remain in those sins, to not keep making those choices. But we repent and we return and we go your way. But God, in that same vein, we just think about the people that have hurt us, the people that have betrayed us, the people that have done us wrong. God, as your example to us, that you want us to forgive as you have forgiven us. So we make that choice today, Lord. Through the pain and through the hurt and through the difficulty, we realize how much you love us and we give that same love to others who don't deserve it. We forgive them. We set them free. We uh, remove that attachment that choice that that person made that damaged me, Lord, I set them free. I don't hold that any longer. I think about my future in you, that the eternal love that you give us, God, we're so thankful for your love today. We're so thankful for the forgiveness that you have offered us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, if you are watching today and you have never taken a first step in your relationship with Jesus, man, this message is all about the gospel. We, we can't make our own way to God. We, we can't make up for our sins. We can't make up for all of the mistakes that we have made. But what God has done, that he has come down to us in Jesus. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. And by doing so, he paid the penalty for us. He exchanged something for us. He took our sin and he gives us righteousness. He just offers it to us. And all we have to do is say yes. And like we read today, it's a gift. So I encourage you today to say yes to the gift of salvation. I'm going to pray a prayer. I invite you to follow along with me today just as a starting point with your relationship with God. Let's just all bow our heads and close our eyes wherever we are. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross and you raised him from the dead. That Jesus, you took my place because of my sin. And so I say yes to your offer of righteousness. I say yes to a relationship with you. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and turn from my ways of sin. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen in. Be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for other messages. For more content from The City Church or to connect with us, visit us at thecitychurch.ca or find us on Facebook or Instagram at citychurchgta. Thanks again for joining us.